0: Guitar people, welcome to Have Guitar Will Travel presented by Vintage Guitar Magazine with your host, me, James Patrick Regan, otherwise known as Jimmy from the Deadlies. And today I'm speaking with Patrick Davis from Songwriters in Paradise, Sip, amongst his other endeavors. In our conversation, we cover growing up in South Carolina in a musical family and his inspiration for playing guitar. We talk about playing gigs for tips while starting his music career. We talk about what precipitated his move into songwriting. We discuss his move to Nashville and the role that members of Hootie and the Blowfish played in this move. We discuss writing for Texas artist Pat Green and having a hit with Dixie Lullaby. We talk about the world of national songwriters and the business of songwriting. He talks about the songs he's written for Darius Rucker, Jimmy Buffett, Guy Clark and Robert Randolph. And we explore Patrick's event Songwriters in Paradise which takes place in Napa, California Healdsburg, California, The Bahamas and Cabo San Lucas. We also talk about Patrick's big band, Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir. And we discuss what brought Patrick to Napa in the first place. We talk about organizing Organizations like taxi and the role they play for songwriters we also discuss patrick's discography we talk about patrick's gear and his gear adventures you can find out more about patrick and his zip songwriter festival at songwritersinparadise.com that's s-o-n-g-w-r-i-t-e-r-s-i-n-p-a-r-a-d-i-s-e dot com please like comment and most of all share this podcast i'd really appreciate it and please support vintage guitar magazine and all the wonderful things they do for us guitar players because they do so many wonderful things for us guitar players here's patrick
1: so i'm here in saint helena california that's right
2: with patrick Patrick yeah, Davis, Patrick Davis, that's right. Yeah,
1: and you're a, you work for um, Songwriters in Paradise. You are Songwriters in Paradise, essentially.
2: I am. I am. I am Songwriters in Paradise. Um, and uh, yeah, so nice to meet you. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to as meet well. you. We're at the Harvest Inn, which is beautiful right here, uh, right off the main drag here in uh, Highway 29. So uh, glad to be here in Napa with you. So uh, and I love guitars and uh, love good. old guitars yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I but I, I do. I love old guitars and uh, I love all guitars, <laughs> old guitars especially. Uh-huh. And um, and also I love uh, I love I love Napa in this area. So, uh, you know, vintage is kind of the thing that we all, uh, we do here in Napa and we also yeah. are doing guitar land. So exactly. there you go. So, um, and yeah. cars and watches. Yeah. Yeah. Cars and watches. That's a, that's <laughs> a different. I don't, I don't know much about that world, but yes, yes, that's one of them too. So, so I should where are you from originally? I grew up in Camden, South Carolina, uh, Camden, South Carolina is a small town outside of Columbia, South Carolina, which is where the capital of South Carolina is, um, about uh-huh. thirty five hundred. Four thousand people probably there. Okay, and uh, I grew up in a musical family where my dad played guitar, and you know I always say my dad was famous in like three counties. (laughs) So uh, a great guitar player who uh, who grew up. I grew up being just. I always heard Clapton and you know Hendrix and the Allman Brothers. I was always playing in my house. Sure, and. Uh, I was very fortunate for that. My mom was a, was a bit of a singer, like just kind of like, she did like choir stuff, but always a great harmony singer, could uh-huh. always hear anything. Uh-huh. So music was always in my life, and but I didn't start playing until I was almost out of high school. So okay. it was, but, but when, once I started playing, I realized, I had like a pretty good database because of my parents. Oh yeah. You know, my, my living room was not actually a living room. It was a music room with (laughs) albums everywhere and, you know, guitars. Yeah. yeah. What'd you do in high school? Uh, in high school, uh, you know, I I played sports, uh, growing up. So I was baseball, football and basketball almost year round. Uh And, um, and then, uh, I realized, I learned a couple of songs, I loved Tangerine by sure. Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin of course. and I remember hearing that song, you know, you're like, what is this voodoo, you know, yeah. this is amazing, and um, I asked my dad if he would teach me that, uh-huh. he taught it to me, Okay. and the next thing I knew, I, I kind of learned a few more chords, that's, you know, that's the A minor, I learned A minor, <laughs> I like, that's cool, and a G and C, and, and, uh, then I realized that girls paid more attention to you when you could sing a couple of songs at a party. Yes. When you can and sing, but not when you play Not <laughs> not when you just play, I guess. And so and, and I kinda just was like, Oh my goodness, this and, and everybody, not just girls, but it was just a different thing. You know, you're you're all of a sudden there's a guitar in the corner and it could be an old beater, it could be anything, you know, an old Yamaha or whatever it yeah. is. And all of a sudden you, you pick it up and you play you know american pie or at that time it would be last dance with mary jane or something sure. like that and people would learn mary jane's last dance and uh everybody treats you a little differently and you're like well this is a cool feeling yeah. and, that, and that's and that's essentially how high school kind of that and i think anyone that tells you differently when it comes to music when they sing or play uh-huh. they're lying because <laughs> for all of us guys it was that feeling of like oh my god yeah you know that that pretty girl over there in the corner is now talking to me, uh, yeah. so, yeah, so. <laughs> and, and you went to college? I went to the University of South Carolina. Uh-huh. I graduated um, in 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, and moved straight to Nashville, so I, I went to school in South Carolina as well, and um, kind of cut my teeth in the bars and restaurants there playing, played uh-huh. music all over um, that area, you know, cover gigs, like... Probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast. You know, a lot of us play. You know, money gigs. You got to get out there and play, and um, absolutely. And you're in the you're in the corner of a bar or restaurant, and you're doing whatever you need to do to to make those folks happy and keep that gig exactly. And And get tips. That's to get tips. That's what I I did. That I did that for. uh, And I feel like. um, you know, I don't know if it's across the board, but I think the most musicians, the best musicians, the ones I've, I've talked to a lot, a lot of those guys, um, 99% of us started doing that same thing. Oh, yeah. You know, band, sure. band, bar gigs, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's the deal. So. Absolutely. The, and what'd you study when you were at UC? Uh, when I was at school, uh, University of South Carolina, I studied, I started out as a... Um, my parents were school teachers. Okay. So, uh, you know, my dad was a weekend warrior musician, you Okay, know, like, well, like many of us. Uh, and, uh, so he, uh, I, I was like, well, I can be a teacher maybe or a principal. I don't know. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I remember, you know, I, I went to school for one semester and they told me, and I never knew what, you know, I didn't know what teachers made. And they, I remember one day they were like, listen, teachers only make this amount of money. I was like, I got to change my major. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went and was a business major for a minute. And then I was going to fell out of school because I was playing gigs all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and I went to my advisor and they told me, they said, uh, well, what do you like? You know, and I said, "Well, I'm really good at remembering things." They're like, "Why don't you just be a history major?" And then, if you decide to go to law school or something afterwards, you can. Yeah. But I pretty much had in my mind that I was going to be a songwriter or musician. So I was like, "Okay, okay great." And I was just going to graduate from college, yeah. and that's what I did. I graduated with a, graduated with a history major. So, okay. yeah, that was that Nothing was wrong. It. yeah no no music, no music at that time. I wasn't um, I guess I I, I would probably be a lot better off if I had done so a little bit of music theory and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah,
1: the the gigs you were playing was that solo, just you and acoustic. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Back then it was just all solo acoustic gigs. Um, just, uh, you know, like I said, like, I mean, you know, any bar and restaurant that would, would take, take me, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, they, they pay you in the beginning, they pay you in beer and 20 bucks an hour or something. And then eventually you hope you get to a little better. And it hasn't increased uh, much since then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually had a, I had a pretty, um, you know, I had an aha moment back then. Um, I've, I've written songs in Nashville for 20 plus years and uh, and you know the sip stuff as well has been great and I tour all over but uh, I remember I was at a a place called Willie's in the Vista in Columbia South Carolina and I asked them I said hey uh, I got my paycheck and there was this really amazing musician and singer song singer songwriter well I guess he wasn't a songwriter he's just a singer yeah and he played and I remember being like hey what is uh what does Jim make every night you know and, and they were like. He makes the same as you. <laughs> and you know, this guy was a lot older than I was. And I sure. go, wait a second. I'm at the top of the food chain, you know. When it comes to those cover gigs, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're only going to pay. It Doesn't matter how good you oh, are. Yeah. That's what exactly. you get. And I remember being like, "Oh my God, I, I got to start writing my own music." And that's kind of <laughs> how that, that's kind of how that happened. So yeah. Wow! Right on! Right on! And so, what what precipitated the move to Nashville? Uh, just kind of recognizing that you know, back in the you know, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, um, you know, had liner notes. Yeah. And I would read all these liner notes, and I'd recognize that a lot of these performer, or these these songwriters okay. that wrote these songs for folks. Um, I would kind of do some research and realize they lived in Nashville. Sure. So Guy Clark, Steve Earle, yeah. a few people that I, I, you know, that kind of did some songs that I appreciated by other artists. I was like, oh, they live in Nashville. So if they live in Nashville. I didn't grow up on country music. I, I grew up, like I said, like Almond Brothers, yeah. Clapton, uh, you know, Hendrix, the Beatles, sure. um, James Taylor, Neil Young would be the songwriter type of thing. Um, I didn't grow up on country. Uh, radio. So for me, I always thought of Nashville as being just one thing, yeah. just being just, it's only going to be country music. And I realized I was like, oh, wait a second. Okay, so there are other people there. You know, the Americana, you probably call them Americana now, uh-huh. but I, I recognize, oh, you can go there and not have to just write songs for Toby Keith or yeah. whoever it is, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so that was really what got me thinking about Nashville. And back then, you know, it was a much different time. You know, there was no internet. There was, you know, baby internet. You know, cell phones, kinda. Yeah. So I actually did have to really work. Uh, you know, you had to you have a seven eight hour drive from South Carolina sure. to get to Nashville, and yeah. moved up there in December of two thousand two. And uh, and really because of the Guy Clarkson and the Steve Earls of the world. Uh-huh. Had you yeah. had you already? Would were you collaborating when you were writing, or were you? Were you back writing? then, I was writing all by myself. Uh uh-huh. Um. And and. You know, I I, uh, I still do that from time to time now, but you know, when you write by yourself, what ends up happening is, you know, it's hard to get motivated. You'll get stuck on an idea. It'll take you sure. it two or three months to finish a song. Oh, you know, yeah. you might finish, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I'd, I'd write 12 or 15 songs in a year. Uh-huh. And you know, and then when you start getting, you get to Nashville, get into the system, you'll write two, 300 songs in sure, a year. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean they're all great, um, but that was how it was in the beginning. In the early days, it was just me sitting down with the guitar and writing. Uh huh. Yeah. And And,
1: how did you like how did you figure out the the web of of trying to play songs and stuff like that?
2: I, I was very fortunate. Um, I moved in Nashville. Um, i being from South Carolina. I would play in bars and restaurants and um, the Hootie and the Blowfish guys were from sure. South Carolina. Yeah. And so they lived in Columbia, South Carolina while I was in college. Yeah and they would come out and see me play. Okay. And so we had a, you know just a relationship and, and and once again the hoodie music wasn't really my music. It was just they were from South Carolina, so of course I was going to love them. Yeah, there you know there's not many folks there's you can count on probably two hands the number of musicians that have made any real success in South yeah. Carolina I'm from South Carolina and those guys just uh, they allowed me to kind of uh, get the ball rolling I guess a little bit where I kind of looked at it and go oh you guys have you're making money so I need to write my own songs I'm going to figure out how to do this you know that was kind of the deal yeah
1: right on and and uh, did you walk into the I mean did you walk into like publishers and say
2: oh back then no uh, yeah sorry that was what you asked I, um, <laughs> it was more of a deal where uh, because I got fortunate enough to kind of know a few people uh-huh. I, I recorded um, an album with Mark Bryan who's a guitar player from Hootie okay. he, he produced it he said I want to produce an album for you so we did the album and I took that album you know kind of around like any, any of us did back then with CDs and all the and, things hey yeah. listen to my album listen to my album and it got a few of the right hands and that ended up getting me on tour with a few artists Wow! and one of those artists was uh, a guy named pat green who was a huge artist in texas at the time like i mean selling out the astrodome for or back then you know whatever uh, for for a week at a time wow and so we ended up starting to write songs together okay and I wrote songs for a number of the kind of the Texas guys, but Pat was the biggest one. Uh-huh. I wrote a guy named Corey Morrow, a few other guys. That was, this was probably 2005, 2006. They asked me if I would like to write songs with them. Uh-huh. So I started writing, and then those guys were having success on the radio. Uh-huh. And one of those songs was a song called Dixie Lullaby, which became a hit for Pat Green. Uh-huh. And that ended, opened the doors for me for like okay. or all of a sudden EMI Music are Publishing and then Warner Chapel and so all the guys started knocking on my door. Really? And it, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a fortuitous situation because of yeah, that. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Always, yeah, yeah. So Pat Green actually uh, in, in Guitar World, Pat gave me, a, I still play it today, uh, he gave me a, in 2006, I think he said, hey, I want to thank you for writing Dixie Lullaby. He gave me a Tom Petty Model Martin, which is, oh. there's only 274 of them maybe in the wow. world. And he gave me that guitar and it's still I still play it to this day. So yeah, oh, that's beautiful great. guitar. Yeah, so thank you, Pat. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So touring with Pat, um, Where did you go from there? Oh, well, basically. Um, so when I got the when I got the songs, uh, you know, recorded and they were getting on the radio, that's when all those guys start coming out. Yeah. And asking if I would like to uh, asking all those guys to uh, you know, uh, they want to sign you. They want to sign you to a publishing deal. Sure. Get a publishing deal, and uh, you kind of figure out which one you want to do. Yeah. And I did EMI and and then that, that took off to where i i've probably had over the you know from that relationship 100 probably 75 to 100 songs recorded by wow. from other artists right on. um and that was a great gig uh-huh i enjoy doing it i still write songs for at the head the head of uh, emi publishing at that time was a uh, a guy named ben vaughn and ben is now the head of warner chapel so i kind of just went with him to warner okay and so i've i've been there for i've been with ben for 15 years or so uh-huh. uh, maybe a little longer but i don't really i don't have to write as much as i used to i used to write all the time i got yeah. a little bit I realized, uh, you know, when you know, some of the listeners out there will probably understand this. Um, you know, when when the Spotify's and the Pandoras and the Napsters of the world came out, no one bought albums anymore. Yeah so it changed the dynamic for for those of us that wrote songs for yeah. folks. And you couldn't make money anymore really from writing songs. You, there's, there's a very small percentage that already had, there was already a small percentage, and it got a much, much smaller percentage of folks that actually could make money just writing songs. Sure. And I, I saw the writing on the wall, so I decided... You know, I'm gonna try to start doing a few other things. Uh-huh. I, I always enjoyed playing live, and I'd yeah. done it for a long time. But I kind of took a I took a back burner when I started writing for folks uh-huh. because you start getting paid, and you're yeah. like, I guess what I'm gonna do. But I, about six or seven years ago, I said I'm gonna start playing live again. So I started playing live a lot more, and then, uh, and also Songwriters in Paradise. Yeah, this yeah. this happened as well. So that's kind of. Um, uh, I guess after the pat green stuff i I wrote a bunch of songs for many years and then Uh, realized around 2014 or 15 i was like i feel like things are changing a little bit i need to change with the times and and was when you signed with
1: um with the original uh was it EMI, emi emi yep when you signed with emi were they
2: setting up like collaborations for you were they were they setting up a schedule for you yeah yeah that's that's what they do they basically the the songwriting world um you know, if you get a even today, if you were to get a publishing contract, one of the things that is is probably the most um, beneficial for having a songwriting contract <laughs> is that they will try to set you up with like-minded writers or writers that they think you will gel with, uh-huh. and so when you know. It's really hard when you're the, you're out there just trying to do it yourself. Sure. All of a sudden they're like, Nope. We're gonna put you on the schedule, you're gonna be on the schedule for the next you know, for the next you look at all of a sudden you look at your calendar for three three months, it's like, Oh shit, I'm writing every day for the you know, every day I can for the next three months and, and it's a lot of people you don't know because they'll be sure. like, Hey you know, they'll set you up with writers in their camp or also with artists because in today's world, the truth of the matter is when I started in Nashville. Probably like half the songs that were written were recorded that weren't written with the artist uh-huh. and then half were written by the artist. Okay. In today's world, it's probably 95% of the songs are written by the artist and 5% are written by People that didn't write them with the artist, uh-huh. so it's gotten a lot harder. You need the publisher who can get you in the room with the artist, yeah, sure. because the money dried up and the artist started figuring out that the way to make money, money was to be a part of the songs. Yeah. And that and I don't mean the money dried up just from publishing; it dried up in all facets of the record business. Nobody sells any albums anymore. You yeah. know, when Van Halen was out there, they were selling. They don't. They would. You know, Van Halen would only tour, you know, once every three years, and they'd only do thirty shows because it didn't matter because they were making all their money from album sales. Yeah. Those days are gone, so that's why everyone now tours year round yeah. If you take a look at it you know Guns and Roses we were kids guns Ro- guns and Roses would play you know once every two or three years and now they play nonstop yeah. you know that that's why yeah. you know the touring's the only real way to make money anymore <laughs> so. yeah. and and merch sales and merch and you got but you got to tour to make the merch sales
1: <laughs> exactly <That's it. laughs> so they'd set up any any uh, any notable names when you're
2: when you're collaborating uh yeah you know, I mean I, I've written songs for uh, you know uh, one of my dearest friends is Darius Rucker uh, okay. Lady Annabelle Jimmy Buffett yeah. um, I've written songs for uh, you know big artists over uh, Robert Randolph great sure. you know, good Robert yeah. Randolph yeah. one of my dear buddies um, also written uh, I, I mean like I said, it's it's a it's a Guy Clark. My favorite is actually Guy Clark because that was why I moved. And I don't know if you, you guys out there know who Guy Clark. is. we, we yeah, yeah, we all we all we all respect Guy as one of the greatest songwriters in the history of songwriting. And Guy, um, I moved to Nashville because Lyle Lovett had an album called "Step Inside This House." Uh-huh. Had the that song "Step Inside This House" is a Guy Clark song. Sure. I find that out. I go, man, I want to write with this Guy Clark. Guy, I, I get I dive into his his catalog and and well before I know it. You know like I'm at EMI which is where Guy Clark writes yeah and I kind of signed with EMI because Guy Clark was there okay and and they were able to put me in the room with Guy and we ended up Writing a number of songs together, and he recorded two of those songs for some oh, of his, wow. his albums. So, so for me, those are, you know, I've had a lot of songs that have made more money than a lot more money than those songs have. But those songs are the ones that mean the most to me. Sure, you know, and and, and honestly, we d- we just got done with the songwriters in Paradise Napa event, Sip Napa, and you know, there's a number of so- there's 20 songwriters here, and we're all talking, and it's it's really interesting now because a lot of those guys are asking me questions about Guy. You know, they want to know those stories because yeah. that's the stories that matter. Yeah, of course. and um and and when you're in it. As a kid, you kind of just... You don't recognize it. You know it's cool, but you don't know how cool it is. Yeah, of course. the guy's been gone for five or six years now, and he's become you know the the, the legend grows oh, after he's gone. Yes. And people are like, so hold on a second. So you wrote what? We, so how did that? You know? So yeah. it's and I, and so those are probably the songs I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't actually know if there'll ever be, you know, if, unless the Stones or you know or, <laughs> or McCartney recorded a song or Neil Young. I don't I don't think there'd be any reason for me to be more excited about a song than that. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and jumping ahead,
1: so to to the songwriters in Paradise yeah. thing, are are the the songwriters that are participating with you, are, or that are essentially yeah. working for you, are they are they people that you've worked with in the past?
2: Or? Yeah, all all the the list of songwriters Paradise guys, uh, any of the performers are just my friends. Oh, okay, I, I've been in the business a long time, and uh, and you know we, we, I've collaborated with so many people and uh they're just the people and the song of paradise is a small um we try to get to cultivate a very intimate exclusive experience so we only you know we only aim for 150 to 200 people total per night okay and, and most of the people buy their tickets in a package for the you know sure. they buy the yeah. whole the whole festival yeah. and so you want you really are only shooting for 150 to 200 people yeah and uh, so what I do is I want people that are I want a, entertainers I want, I want songwriters that are incredible at what they do yeah. they might have hits and and a track record yeah. but they also have to be really really uh, wonderful humans that can hang out with it because you're you're in a, you're in an environment for four nights where SIP is an environment where we usually do four nights of shows uh-huh. um, and those shows are the same you know. You're going to hang out with these people you're going to know them so you better not be an asshole yeah are they doing <laughs> workshops during the day too um oh. no we don't we we've we've done it a couple of times where there's workshops but it's not really a songwriter's it's not it's more of a songwriter's mu- performing festival okay. not necessarily a workshop situation because we don't um every now but we will ask questions if uh. somebody wants to sit down and, and talk about it we yeah. will 100 percent sit and that's kind of the the key to the whole thing is that the songwriters that come are very personable to where they can sit down on the couch after the show and if if you walked up or someone walks up and wants to talk to them about songwriting they're not going to like look at you like you're crazy and want to walk away yeah. they're going to say yeah let's talk about this yeah, yeah I wrote this song because of you know yeah I wrote change the world for air clap whatever it is yeah. I wrote this song and I was thinking about this and this and this happened and that's and I think that's very valuable that's the that's the intimate experience that we sure. all all of us hum, as humans we want a connection uh-huh. and, and, and we, we don't You know, we don't always get that. You know, especially especially performances. You know, when you get a meet and greet at a show. You know, you go you go to see somebody this giant act, and, you get, and you're lucky enough to get a meet and greet. The meet and greet line is you're going to walk up, you're going to say, "Hey, nice to meet you." They're going to say, "Nice to meet you." You're going to take a picture, and that's your yeah. meet and greet. They say, "Turn, and, yeah," and then take turn, a picture. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and you know, and that's it. And so that's not what I want. You know, I, I tour with a big band called Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir, so it's a large band. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's kind of Van Morrison, loud, love it. That's okay. my world, and and that's. I play 500,000 seat theaters and, and it's great, but I don't get to meet those people. Sure. Songwriters in Paradise, I get to for four days be with my songwriting friends, yeah. which the only reason I do this is to hang out with my buddies. Yep. And I hang out with my songwriting buddies, but we also get 150, 200 people that came and followed us around to Cabo, to Hopetown, to, Sip, to Napa, to Sip Hillsburg, to the others. They're I get to hang out with them. Yeah. I get to talk to them. They hear the songs we play and they get to ask questions and I get to see the reaction and feel it, you know, it's, a visceral, it's like right there in front yeah, of me. It. Yeah, so yeah. it's a cool thing. And what brought, what I mean,
1: there's a lot of places that could be considered paradise. What brought you here to, to Napa, Healdsburg, Napa, wine Napa country? happened,
2: um, uh, David Duncan and Jeff Gargiulo David Duncan owns Silver Oak sure and Jeff Gargiulo owns Gargiulo Vineyards which is right beside Silver Oak those guys are um, big music guys they're kind of like the they're the they are the they are the like the local yokel band sure and, and they, they have a band called the Silverado Pickups oh sure yeah and when I came here um, uh, you know 12 15 years ago now I met David Duncan randomly uh-huh. uh, I had a friend I have a friend named Holly Williams her her, sure. uh, her dad's you know uh, Hank 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 Jr Yeah and we were at an event here, and Holly goes, "Hey, we we'll going to go to lunch and meet one of my friends." And I go, "Okay, cool." So we walk in and we meet David Duncan, and he goes, "Hey, I'm gonna bring some wine to you." And he brings me his wine. I go, well, "That's Silver Oak. It's your wine." He goes, "Yes, yeah, my wine." <laughs> and it's very funny. And and but we we kind of hit it off just talking. And then a couple weeks later, he happened to be coming to Nashville. We went, and I think we met up in Nashville. And he tells me he's a songwriter. Oh wow! And I go, oh wow, okay. So we we, we kind of stayed in touch. And then he figured out that I was doing. He was kind of a fan of the music that I did. And then he heard about uh, the SIP events. Yeah. And he goes, we got to do that in Napa. Okay. And I said, well, well, yeah, cool. I said, let's let's keep let's keep going back and forth and seeing if we can figure something out. Yeah. And before I knew it. He kept hitting me up, and we we were able to pull off. I came out here a few different times, met a lot of the winery guys. We do it at Alpha Omega, which is on Highway 29, Frank Family, which is in Calistoga, Mm -hmm. and then we do it at Brasswood, which is up that way as well. And all of a sudden, we had an event, and uh, we brought it here. And then Hillsburg happened organically from people that came to Napa. Okay. They came to Sip Napa, and they loved the event, and we're trying to get us to bring it there. And, you know, if you're from out here in the valley... You understand this, but if you're from South Carolina or Nashville, you do not understand mm-hmm. this. When you look at on a map, it looks like it's fifteen minutes between or fifteen miles between each one. Sure. And you're like, that's way too close. Why would you do it? And then you realize once you've been here, you start driving, you're like, oh my God, this is like an hour and a half over a mountain. Yeah. There's no one goes to the other side. No. So that's why Hillsburg kinda happened because it allowed it's a completely different experience over there uh-huh. than here. So and, and and so we're doing that. That starts in July, and Napa is every... Every April, and it's been incredible. It's it's um, you know it's it's an experience like no other. I, I know it sounds crazy to say, but it really is. We we even for the musicians, yeah. we feel it. You know, yeah. we 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 love these events because we get the opportunity to to be with our friends for a week. And when you're a musician normally we're on a festival gig and there might be our, a bunch of our friends on the festival as well yeah. but we see them for two minutes we give them a high five when they walk off the stage and we walk on the stage mm-hmm. and that's the extent of our hanging out sure. and in this environment we get to hang out for a week together we, and and that's the special part of it is I think the attendees feel that as well they feel like they're a part of a backstage situation because we're all hanging out and we're all so excited to be together yeah. and all the attendees get to just kind of see that interaction yeah so. Yep. and uh and the other two places that you do that the, the uh, hopetown uh sip hopetown is in the Bahamas that's where we started sip we started about uh, the 10th anniversary would be this February uh-huh. and that's in the Abacos that's um I don't know if you if you uh, basically basically if you went to Fort Lauderdale took a left and went a 400 miles in the ocean or something that's where it is <laughs> and uh, so we do uh, we do Sip Hopetown and then we do Sip Cabo that's every uh, that's the week after Thanksgiving every, the weekend after Thanksgiving every year we do Sip Cabo okay. and that's, that's a lot of fun and, and one thing with, with Sip we also there's a charity component that I always love where I just I try my best to give back to like the local communities that are doing music stuff. Sure. So in Cabo we do the children's orchestra of you know of San Jose and Cabo. And then here we do Notes Foundation and which is a teaching uh, music education in schools. And Uh so there's always down in Hopetown we do a thing where we actually go to the school and play for the kids. And we we actually we've bought them um we've bought them their instruments before, all kinds of stuff, you know, for the band, school band. Because the the idea is that we're coming here but we're all we're all music love. We're musicians. We love music. We want to make sure that this what we do goes on for all, and on and on and on and on. If we can help in any way, well, that that's the better part of it.
1: <laughs> Is there a fan base that follows you to each one of these places? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, you it's, see a lot of the same faces. And yeah, all it's that.
2: it's growing. It's definitely growing. You know, we're. Um, uh, Every year, you know, it's, there's a there's let's say half the half the people at each event are new. Half the people are older folks that have been there before, and half are new. And that just means the database is growing. And, and I started this as a really as an excuse for my buddies to go to the Bahamas and get drunk. That's <laughs> literally what we did. And ten years ago, they asked me to play a show. The Firefly Sunset Resort in the Bahamas asked me to play a show and they wanted me to bring my band down. And I said, well, that's cool. I was like, well, what if we do a weekend and make it a fun event for a few, I bring a few of my friends yeah. and we do some songs. And and that went so well that that that's how that's happened. It happened very organically. Sure. And now all of a sudden, you, as we build that data every year, Every single year, as it gets a little bigger, a little bigger, um, we're we, it just expands, and that thing, fam- I call it SIP family because it really is SIP family. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it started in the Bahamas, and you put it together all yeah. by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All me. All me. I am. Um, I mean, like I like I said, I write songs. Have uh, my the, the band I, I tour with Patrick Davison's Midnight Choir and and then this was just supposed to be fun, just a yeah. fun excuse to go on vacation. And all of a sudden, I have four or five people that work for me under this. This has become a, a, a whole different animal, yeah. and which is a, which is a wonderful problem to have. Yeah. Trust me, there's no complaining. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's it's I look at it to where everything works together. Sure, I say that uh, you know the songwriting is what brought me to the party, and yeah. then and then I, I decided I want to do the band thing. And I, I grew up listening to Joe Cocker, Ray Charles. And Van Morrison, I love it. So that's what that is, and yeah. I get to write songs and do that. And that's I'm touring a lot. With, I'm I'm actually flying when we're done here tonight. I got to play a show in Calistoga. I'm uh-huh. taking the red eye. I'm going to Jacksonville, Florida or uh, St. Augustine. I'm playing for Bill Murray's Caddyshack. Event. All right, EA, B- Bill's a Bill's a fan from being in South Carolina. So I'm yeah. flying in for the big the big band. And so, but they all work together. Like I'm here, and it, when I'm there, that will I'll talk about Sip, and yeah. I'll talk about the songs I've written, and yeah. I'll get to play my show. Yeah. And it, and they just you know if you're lucky. In life, um, you get to connect things, and uh, I feel like that's what I have is a lot of connections. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Just for because there's going to be songwriters listening and stuff yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, of that, course. Yeah. The we know there's no money in songwriting for the but, most well, part. Well, there can be. There can be. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. The, the the people at the t- at, that are making the at the
2: top. Yeah, yeah. The, the way that it's getting smaller. Yeah, the, the songwriting world. What I what I've heard from. NSAI, which is the National Songwriters Association International. NSAI, which any of you guys are out there listening, you should definitely sign up for NSAI. They're 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 one of the only things out there that fight for songwriters. Those guys will tell you um, I think it's it median income for songwriters is like three or four thousand dollars a year. And that's putting Springsteen and yeah. you know, I don't know, Beyonce and Pitbull and, and McCartney in the in the in the equation. You know? yeah. Um it's it's really hard. It's gotten harder and harder, but it doesn't mean that you should, I think you would just have to figure out other ways to monetize. Sure. That's what I would tell any, anybody out there listening is that, you know, uh, people always come to me and they want to know like, well, how do you, how do you get into the Nashville? How do you sell your songs? How do you do this? And I say, it's not about selling your songs necessarily. Um, in the beginning, what you need to do is you need to, you know, if, let's say you live in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. Well, go out and find the guys that you like, that do music that you love and ask them if you're a songwriter, ask them if you... They need help writing, like for their album, because you never know who's going to become the next U two. You just don't know. Like, and you might be the guy that becomes the guy that writes songs for that band or to Coldplay. Who knows? You know, I mean, you know, like what art could be the next country artist? It doesn't matter who it is. It could be the next, you know, I don't know, Brothers Osborne or or Miranda Lambert. You know, don't know who that person is going to be. So, I tell people because they always ask me. They look for like some magic. Information where they're like, well, what do you need to do? And I'm like, if you're not going to be, able, if you can't move to Nashville, because they're, they're really the only step that, is the guarantee to at least be in the scene is moving to Nashville sure. it doesn't mean you 're going to be successful it just means you have to kind of be there if that's not what you can do today, then go out and find the people around your community that are the people you really respect and love and you like their music and ask them if maybe you can write songs for them sure you know like and that that might be the way to do it but yeah and that, that's really the key is um is going and finding um I, I, you know, you kind of, it's almost like be a big fish in a small pond first yeah. if you can't get to the big pond. Yep. That's what I would say. Yeah. You know? What do you think of organizations like Taxi and those kind of things? <laughs> um, You know, Taxi, when I was a kid, um, I remember Taxi, like when I was getting, first getting started. Uh-huh. And I, I don't really know what they how they are today Um, but I do know there was a there was a there was a uh, they they definitely served a purpose when I was in the early 2000s like when I was getting started before I had a publishing deal I remember you seeing those things I I do I will say I don't think there's any uh, there's no substitute for either picking up and moving to that you know to the town where you want to know Nashville where the songwriters are if sure. you're doing new country music or Austin if you want to do live music you know yeah. or LA LA's, is shrunk considerably sure. over the years yeah. and New York has as well but but there if you can't do that then I think things like taxi and stuff like that can possibly be beneficial but there's but really the key is finding the avenues of who's going to get your music out there yeah and that usually stems from folks that are playing live. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter if they're playing, like for you, like it could be, um, or for anyone, they don't have to be the biggest act in the world, it's just they're getting the music out there. Yeah. Because if you're just a songwriter and you're just sitting around your, you know, you're, you're on your garage band or your Pro Tools at your house and you're putting it together and you're trying to get it on, you know, internet radio or something, that usually doesn't work. You gotta get it out in front of people. Yeah. That's that's the key to the whole thing. Yeah. You're a good talker. Yeah, thanks.
1: So. <laughs> the, the any coincidence and and is it is it just coincidence that you're you are here this weekend and then uh, live in the
2: vineyard? Yeah, completely coincidence. That, that um, the live in the vineyard event. I don't know much about it. I do know that it was set up by the you know kind of by the industry, the labels, and things like that to to bring radio programmers in. Uh-huh. So it's. Our event is much more organic and natural. Yeah. Um, They're selling widgets. Okay. The best way I can tell you about it is that uh, think of our. Do uh, you drink wine? Sure. Okay. Uh, um, I <laughs> I would just say our. Uh, you know, sip. It's just a completely different thing. Yeah. Our, our deal. The sip thing is like. Uh. You know. We're trying to be Harlan and Screaming Eagle, uh-huh. and that's yellowtail. Okay. Yeah. That. I mean. That's all. Like. You know. It's. It's just a different thing. It's. It's. It's a definitely for country radio. Yeah. It's. It's. It's geared at a certain thing. I want to. I want to make. I actually tell my sip performers. I, i've I've kind of made it to where the attendees understand it. I want them to feel like they're having the best of what's available when it comes to singer songwriters and music uh-huh. I, I i don't I don't care if it's a hit on the yeah. radio and a lot of my guys have written twenty thirty number one songs sure. and I go. You don't have to play that song because these guys want to hear the stories and the songs that matter to you. Because yeah. most of the time, the songs that are hits aren't the songs we care about. Yeah, that's that's and, and when it comes to that, the other stuff, I think that they're you know they're they're trying to sell the folks the new whatever the new thing is that needs to work on the radio and yeah. it's a great I'm sure it's awesome and fun, yeah. but. It's just a completely different thing. Yeah. No, I was just curious, yeah, yeah. just because. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't and, and I actually didn't realize that was happening until um, about halfway through this week. Like, hey, other things going on. They showed me, and and some of my friends are playing that. Oh, really? Um, I, I know, you know, I think Chase Rice is there, and a few guys that I'm, I'm buddies with, Lee oh. Rice maybe is there. Um, and and I know these guys. I'm just not a big. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, I, I've written songs for country artists, and that's been fun and everything. But I just, I'm just not. A, I don't. I haven't listened to country radio in fifty. I don't. I don't know the first thing about country radio. He put a gun to my head and name Name one country song a day, I'd be like, I have no idea. <laughs> so, but if you ask me all the Beatles songs, I can name every single one oh, of them. Right. <laughs> and th- so talk about your big band. Oh, uh, the big, oh, well, so I, um when I realized the money was drying up from songwriting, and I also realized I wasn't very happy writing. I, like I said, I'm not a big country music fan, so I didn't really I didn't really know how to write those songs yeah I, I was you know I, I think that the best writers for any genre of music are the guys that actually listen to that music yeah and I don't listen to country music, so I'm not gonna be but so yeah. i I just didn't know um. I didn't know that music, you yeah. know, it wasn't my thing. And I think I, if if I was writing it, it wouldn't be honest. Uh-huh. And so uh, I, when I figured that out, I go, I'm gonna start, I wanna do what I wanna do. And I've been fortunate enough financially to make, you know, cause when, you're, when you have 13, 12 or 13 people on stage it's an expensive endeavor oh, especially yeah. 13, 13 like amazing musicians you know yeah. so I said I'm gonna start doing what I want to do uh-huh. and one of my favorite albums of all time is, is Joe Cocker's Mad Dogs and Sure, and that's and Leon Russell and that's yeah. that's the staple singer it's, well, it's insane yeah. and uh and, you know, I don't have 40 people on stage, but I wanted to create that sound. It's that wall of sound. Yeah. And so I started I started touring with what I call Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir. And I took Midnight Choir from uh, the old uh, Leonard Cohen song. Uh, uh, he goes, well, like a drunk in a Midnight Choir. So I took that from Bird on a Wire. Okay. And uh, so essentially, um, the Midnight Choir tours, I don't do a crazy amount of touring because I don't have to. Yeah. Um, I can kind of do it when I want to. But I tour the southeast a good bit. And then if there's a private gig in Napa or somewhere, and they want to fly me out. And, but but it's, it's picking up. I've seen the, uh, it's picked up a lot over the past few years. The uh, Is it mostly fly dates for you? Well, um, in, in the southeast, um, I do, uh, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, a lot of the band members are either Nashville or South Carolina, because I grew up in South Carolina. Yeah. And then my old man, my old man owns a guitar store. My old man, oh, really? his name's Rusty Davis, and he owns Davis and Sons Guitar Shop in Camden, South Carolina. Okay. And he's an incredible guitar player and so i try to get him in the southeast to play whenever i can yeah, yeah and um and then it's uh you know but but there are a few fly dates like this week you know where we're going to jacksonville tomorrow and I, you know I'm all the way out here so i gotta yeah. get, i gotta get to jacksonville so those are fly dates and then you know, if i'm playing new york or something those are fly dates stuff okay. like that
1: yeah you records have you released records
2: with them? yeah yeah uh well the records i've done I did, I think I did my first album in 2003. That was with Mark Bryan from Hootie. Uh huh. He produced it, and that was all songs I wrote, 100 percent of. And uh-huh. that was the thing that kind of got me with Pat Green and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I and I, I continuously released music. Um, every now and then just for fun like you know go in the studio and do some stuff just keep my that creative juices flowing sure. and that took me to about 2013 or 14 and then I decided I was like that was when I made the decision I was like I'm going to write some you know if if, a, if an artist calls and wants to write of course I'm going to write a song yeah, yeah. you're not going to turn that down nope. but I, was, I wasn't I was going to do the grind anymore and I uh, about 2014 I started kind of 15 started like working on music that was more me yeah. and I released um, uh, in 17 I released some music that was in 2020 I've, I've released three or four albums that are my and the new album i'm working on right now mm-hmm. um it, the first singles from that will start coming out in uh i believe the near the end of the summer sure yeah do you do you print physical uh, is it a physical? lps yeah 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 i i i i feel like that's the best version of music sure it feels human yeah you know there's, there's a thing that 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 circular type of situation it's not the squares you know yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and, it, and 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 I remember as a kid, like putting on my dad, putting on albums and that feeling of that. So I I do, I did an album in 20, uh, during the pandemic, I did an album called couch covers (laughs) where I literally sat down at the beginning of the pandemic. I decided, I was like, I'm bored. I'm stuck at home. I'm like, I'm going to, I don't do cover songs much anymore. I used to, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go relearn or learn these cover songs and I'm going to do one a day. I'm going to learn in the morning and play it at night on, on social media. And that ended up taking. Um, I did about sixty or seventy of those in a row. I thought it was going to take for about two weeks, sure, because I thought the pandemic would be over in two weeks. Yeah, yeah and it, so it was I. definitely not. And uh, he's and. Uh, so I did about 60 or 70 of those. And then I decided from that, uh, some folks asked me if I would do an album. And I did an album called Couch Covers. Okay, And that's what I did in the studio. So that's that's the latest thing. And the new music starts coming out in, uh, in the summer. Yeah, we. I, I love, I, well, LPs are just like, I, I think we talked about it earlier, my dad, like when I grew up. I was literally my living room was not a living room. It was a, it was filled with with the old old Telecasters, old Stratocasters, old yeah. Martins, old you know, Rick and and probably three thousand albums in crates. Sure. So I just grew up with that. So for me, it was actually wonderful to hear that LPs were making their way back. And honestly, you mentioned this before. The only way that you can make money in this business is merch, and LPs are actually a way that people will buy it because it feels like a piece of art. Yep. CDs weren't art, you know. Like when when you have it, hold an album in your hand, you feel like you're holding a piece of something, sure. you know. And so that's been a really nice thing. And i think a lot of musicians have started making their money from you know you, you can sell a fraction of as many of the CDs, you know you sell an lp for 40 bucks or something yeah. and people will buy it because they, they got something physical in their hand oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden you can sell a thousand of those and make more than you would sell them ten thousand of the sure. cds you know so and working our way up to nfts yeah, oh, yeah we're getting there we're getting that's that's a little it's a little sketchy but yeah yeah we're getting there yeah um let's talk about guitars yeah for sure what do you got oh man um i i uh, i grew so, up around them yeah my old man uh, just all had them and it's actually a new thing for me uh the guitar love the vintage guitar love is is i've always kind of had guitars just because i my dad but i had some friends that started collecting and you know you and you get into the world of you know stocks or cryptocurrency or or (laughs) nfts or whatever you're investing in all these things and you realize you're like somebody told me they started found they started finding guitars every now and then i go well i know a lot about guitars maybe i should start buying guitars you know and before i knew it I was way down the rabbit hole Mm. and uh, you know some of my favorite finds um, my old man in Camden found a uh, in South Carolina he calls me one day and he goes hey this guy just walked in here he goes he found a it was at a yard sale, uh-huh. and uh, he goes, "He uh, there was an Esteban guitar on the stand that looked all nice, yeah. and it was they wanted two hundred dollars for it." And I said, "Okay." And he goes, "And then there was a case beside it, didn't wasn't it just sitting there?" And they open up the case, and uh, it, it said Martin on the headstock. And the the uh, the old man goes, "Well, I don't know anything about guitars. This is a guy at a yard sale, you know." Yeah. He goes, "I'm gonna buy it just because it says Martin." Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he he buys it for sixty dollars oh, wow. and takes it to my dad. Yeah. And my dad calls me instantly and goes, it's a 1952 triple O eighteen. 18, wow. you want it? And I go, yeah, I want it. Yeah. He goes, need some work done. You know, a little bit. You know, it could have been under under a bed forever. You know. Yeah. And so I, you know, those are the and you know, and I paid him, you know, a lot less than what it's worth because he, the guy didn't care. He made, he bought a sixty dollar instrument, made a, you know, a yeah. lot of money afterwards. Sure. So, um, those are the stories I love, and I, I love finding the stories behind the guitar. I recently just bought a fifty two Telecaster. Okay. and wow. uh, Yeah, I went for it, a black uh, card. And, yeah, it's, it's literally that type of thing. I am um, and 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 I love talking to the actual owners. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, those guitars, the, the guitars that are from the 50s and early 60s, um, a lot of those guitars are owned by people that are now 80 years, 75 oh, yeah. or 80 years old. Yeah. And they were old, they were rock and rollers. Yeah, they were yeah. old country singers, whatever sure, it was. Sure. And, and they want, they don't want to sell it to the guy that just wants to flip it yeah. they want you to know that there's a story because there is I have, a, I have a song my new album there's a song called Six String Dreams on it and that song me and my buddy Sadler Vaden it plays guitar for Jason Isabel sure. Amazing. he plays with Midnight Choir sometimes um uh amazing guitar player and and you know we wrote that song about all the, the people out there that are living this dream like it, it doesn't mean you don't have to be playing at Carnegie Hall like oh, you yeah. can also be at the Mexican restaurant down the street it's Damn like street. you're still living the same dream yeah. and and that's what I, I love because I, my dad's an old guitar player I want to talk about the guitars and I tell him I go chances are I'm never selling your guitar I want my kids 50 years from now yeah. to have this guitar and if they want to sell it because it's going to make them some money and it goes up in value you great but i am not selling it yeah. and and they love that story because i'm not i'm not just saying that yeah. and so in the past the, that 52 telly old timer from Charleston South Carolina had it and I you know I went and talked to him about it I, I, I literally spent a week on the phone with him talking to him he was so <laughs> mad because all these people had called and tried to lowball him and they had yeah. been asking all these questions and he's like he's he traded the guitar in 1964 to his best friend who was tired of he wanted a Les Paul yeah and he wanted a lighter guitar yeah so he traded a 52 Les Paul for a 52 telecaster oh, wow. and the tele was still completely all original had a couple of uh uh, the uh, you know uh, head the tuners were a little different you know yeah, like yeah. He, they fell off he's like I don't know what to tell you yeah, they yeah. fell off and and back then it's funny because those old guys will go we didn't know they're worth anything we just traded the guitars oh, yeah, yeah. you know and, and you so, want the ones that have been played yeah I want the ones that have the story <laughs> yeah and so I uh, I bought that fifty two telly and I'll I'll never get rid of it it's, it's an amazing guitar I actually took it to Gruen my buddy Tom Bukovac that's one of my dear friends in Nashville <laughs> uh, one of the most legendary guitar players in the world of Buk. course and uh, and Buk was played it in the studio I brought it to him I said hey play it. And he he has a he actually just sold it He has a 53 telly, 53 and he was playing it. And he goes, "I love it." He goes, "Here, take it to my guy and get it refretted." And I took it and got it refretted at it Gruen. You know, uh-huh. like and, and it was amazing. And um, and it, it, Greg at it Gruen did it. And it. It's amazing job. And now it it's just such a guitar. I'll probably get it tricked out a little bit more. I'll, I'll fix a couple of things to make it. You sure. know, you got to those old guitars. They, they, they I mean, hell, the guitar's seventy years old. You know, but um, I mean, that's the baby of the group. I have a um, I have a fifty D twenty eight. Uh-huh. which is a second owner. Oh, my, wow. my, uh, my, uh, my uh, uncle Floyd, who is not really my uncle, but he's my dad's best buddy. Sure. Old, uh, old guy from, uh, he's from Sumter, South Carolina, but, uh, he uh he lives in houston texas and he told me he goes well patrick he goes this guy walked up to me and after i played this restaurant gig and he goes hey you want to buy an old guitar in 1985 and he goes he goes yeah he goes uh what is it he goes it's an old martin he goes well bring it tomorrow he said he walks up to him in the parking lot and he's got the guitar the next day and he puts it on the back of a tailgate and he he opens it up and he's like holy shit that's a 1950 d28 and uh and floyd said in 1984 he goes or 85 he goes i had 400 in my wallet because I knew that's what it was about going to be. He goes, I looked at him, I said, here's the deal. I got a drink tonight. And i think it's gonna cost me about 25 dollars to drink i got 400 dollars in my wallet so i'll give you 375 and the guy took it <laughs> wow and right so on. that's and that's so, I, so i'm the third owner of that guitar right on. and uh, i've got i've got you know i've got a i've got a bunch of j45s j50s i love fine like you know the stories are great though you find them I mean, people have them in their closet yeah an old oh, yeah. lady sold me one that uh she brought into my dad's guitar shop and she said uh my dad had this guitar i remember it when i was a kid and it was a 58 it was it wasn't it was like maybe what, an EF 150 or 150, like uh, kind of an acoustic electric, uh, sure. Gibson, you know, but a beautiful oh, yes. guitar. Yeah. And uh, she goes, It's been, a, he died a year ago, and I've had it under the bed since then. He hasn't been played since 1960. Wow. and those are the guitar. I just like the stories, yeah, I course. want the stories. That's that's for me. For me, the most important thing is my dad has a um, you know, I'll have a, I have a 66 strat, all oh, right, and on. uh, those guitars for, that's that's my dad's guitar, yeah. and I know it's going to be mine, yeah, yeah. but. Those guitar, he tells. I want. I love my old man, yeah. and I love the fact that I remember him packing that guitar up night after night on the weekends to go yeah. play shows, and I want to hear those stories. Yeah. That's the guitars I want. <laughs> right. so, yeah. And amps. Um, the problem with amps is, is that I don't know enough about them. Uh-huh. I know a lot about the guitar stuff. You know, I can, I can look at it and go, oh, that's a this or that's a this or this. Yeah. The amp stuff, um, I have to, t- I have to, I literally will send pictures of amps to my buddy Jed Hughes. Is is Jed, Jed. is one my son he was here this week. He yeah. was for and Jed plays with you know Vince Gill and Ronnie Crow and, and all the guys, Emily and Imaloo, and and then, and I'll, I'll send a picture of the amp to Jed and to Bukovac, and be like, "Is this good?" And they'll, and they'll go, "No, it's got this taken out of it and this taken out of it, and that's not there, and that's not." And I would have never known. You yeah, know, that, yeah. that's the problem that I have with amps is that yeah. I don't understand enough about them. Now, if Jed tells me to buy it, I'm gonna buy it like uh, that. Yeah, sure, but I, I I stick with the guitars because I feel like I'm much more inclined to understand what's going on there. Right. And I also think of, you know, we talk about NFTs and stuff, these, these crazy art things that are happening. Well, you know, Instruments are art. Oh yeah. When you have a guitar, I my, my living room is, is 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 you know I have guitars all over the place. Sure. I that that you know I want to have a 1959 J50. I want to have a 52 Tele. That that's that's my those are my Picassos. Oh yeah. That's that's what that is, and they really are. When you yeah. f- find a 1952 Tele that has Taddeo Gomez's signature inside sure. of it, from saying that with the date, <laughs> that April 4th, 1952, this was made. Yeah. That is art. Yeah, of course. So anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take too much more. No, you're good. You're good. I'm. I'm I'm (laughs) having fun. So you. you, I know you got you. Whatever you need me to do. We got (laughs) a few more minutes. So you tell me what's going on. No, we're we're doing good. Yeah, good. Good. What do you? So you're married? I'm. I'm actually. uh, I'm engaged. I'll be married in October uh, to a another singer songwriter named Lauren Jenkins. Okay. Uh, Lauren is a. a, Check her out. You talk to her about guitar. She she loves the old Gibsons. She's a big old Gibson girl. (laughs) And, uh, but we. uh, She just left today. Um, today has been a tough day. You were asking me what's been going on. Um, we got a phone call. this morning for my dog sitter my 17 year old dog stopped oh, eating a few days no. ago and so i had to put it we we're putting her down i literally lauren was supposed to be here i just took her to oakland to get on a flight to fly home so she could be there and i have to go to to florida to play a gig tomorrow and my yeah. my 17 year old dog will be gone tomorrow I'm sorry. bless
1: her I'm sorry. yeah
2: bless her little heart but you know what? she's been a good companion and guess what she's seen all these guitars we're talking about she's heard them all so she's had a good life <laughs> were you married before i was i was, I was married uh, i got married. Um, as a puppy, you know, basically, uh, yeah. Yeah, We're very young, and uh, you know, shit happens. That's yeah. basically the way I could say. it. And we were, and she was in the industry as well. She wasn't a musician. Lauren is an amazing singer songwriter. We're more uh, simpatico because I think we have a d- different understanding of each sure. other. You know, of when it course. comes to music, especially touring, you have to understand that lifestyle, that world, what it is. Yeah. So Lauren and I are much more, uh, much more in line with each other. Yeah. so Yeah. Kids? So, you got kids? No kids. No kids. I was. I was. Um, I was uh, you know. I. You know. For those of you guys out there that have been married or are married, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of times you have kids and then you get divorced. I was very fortunate that we did not have children sure. and then got, because I think that would have, that opens up a whole nother. And also, I'm glad that she didn't try to take any of my guitars. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. Now. You, know, you never know what. You Lawrence never know is. what. You, yeah, 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 I think I think we're past the statute of limitations. <laughs> or whatever, so. I hope so. Uh, what do you do for fun outside of guitars and then we're singing? And uh, we're man, well, songs. I travel, and uh-huh. uh, and you know that's that's kind of how the songers in paradise happen I love traveling. Yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like travel is a thing that kind of uh, you know it, it makes us realize music's this way. Uh, travel, music. There's a few things out there that make us realize we're all in this shit together. Yeah. You meet people. You yeah. meet like you know I, I feel like music is is responsible for a lot of the you know you talk about. Segregation, all these terrible things that were going on for so long. Well, you know, at some point when those kids in the in the in the fifties started realizing the music they wanted to listen to were Chuck Berry, you know, and they were or, you know or BB King or whatever yeah, it was exactly. that that changed the dynamic of the entire world. Yeah. And and I feel like that's what travel does as well. It makes you realize that you know you meet people. If you just stay in, if I just stayed in South Carolina, I think everybody was just like my little friends in South Carolina. It's not the truth, you know. Yeah. You go, these people pray to this God, and these people listen to this music, and these people eat this type of food or drink this kind of wine, and it's it's the it's it. It is the the uh, the spice of life, I guess. Sure. You know that's and music and travel work very very well together.
1: Yeah. Are you thinking expanding
2: the, the sip? So, yeah, we. I've been approached by a lot of people about doing sip, and you know, and like I said, this is I like writing songs and playing music. This is and buying guitars. Yeah. This is this is a, a kind of a new thing that's happened in the past few years. I mean, I started Hopetown ten years ago. Hopetown Town's been ten years, but but it wasn't until three years ago I started Sip Napa, and that's when it really took off. Okay. And Sip Hillsburg will start this year for the first year, I think. Uh, in Cabo in it's six year and but I've been approached by a lot of people and I think it I think probably in the next three to four years I'll probably have eight to ten of them oh, wow. and um, because it, but I, but there's got to be a specific I have to find the right place sure. I, I want I want a place where paradise like you know like I mean like you said a lot of places are paradise oh, yeah. find the right place that fits the, the, the vibe of having music you know food, wine, culture and also just people feeling like the connection. All we want is connection. Sure. The, the stories that we write when we write songs, the ones that work the best are the ones that feel us, make us feel connected. Yeah. That feel work. Like Kauai is in, in the cards. <laughs> I'm working on Kauai yeah, right there you now. Go. <laughs> I, I, I was in Kauai. Um, my, my, what's crazy is, is uh, I always say, it's not it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And when I came out here, our friends at Brasswood, which is up in, uh, going towards Calistoga, but in St. Helena here, if you guys ever want to go to an amazing winery and uh, restaurant, those guys, one of the owners, uh, well, the owner, his wife is from Kauai. Okay. So my, myself and Lauren Jenkins, my fiance, we went to Kauai in... Uh, in September fell in love with the place amazing unbelievable and they introduced us to all the places yeah. and they're like and they are going, we're doing Sip Kauai okay. now it, it's I can't wait but it's you know flying all of us songwriters across the country and then across the the Pacific yeah. it's going to be quite an undertaking sure. so there's going to be a little bit it, it may be two to three years away we're working right now on Sip Bordeaux which I have wow. my, my 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 in my sister's in-laws who we grew up with in Camden, South Carolina actually moved to France and bought a winery wow so we're we're talking about that maybe next year um there's some you know there's some good things uh, my guitar has taken me a lot of incredible places damn, and um right and on. i i will uh you know it's like uh, you know you know bb king talked about lucille you know it. you know and, and and i know i know some guitar players they want to sleep in the bed with a guitar you know yeah. that's that's essentially there, there's never been a better friend in the world to me than a guitar oh, there's no doubt about it i think that's you know? a great place to stop that right is there. man thank you brother thank you <laughs> thank so much for doing this James. my thank pleasure nice thank to you. meet you pleasure's man. all mine okay buddy
1: Thanks for listening to Have Guitar, Will Travel. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing at thedeadlies.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as well. And please support Vintage Guitar and all the wonderful things they do because they do many, many wonderful things for us guitar players. Thanks.
0: Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys.